Welcome to the NBA Trades Podcast. I'm your host, Raphael. Today I have a special guest. It's the bro, Anthony, AC Spotlight. Anthony, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about here today. Well, you know, there's some NBA stuff going on, some injuries, some trades, and, you know, you can't have an NBA Trades Podcast without an actual trade happening this week, so um, I'm excited to talk to you about that. So I guess let's get into it. The trade that happened this week, the Clippers uh, got rid of Blake Griffin in a shocker, a move that sort of really shocked the NBA, Twitter sphere, the world. Uh, They traded Blake Griffin, uh, Bryce Johnson, Willie Reed to the Detroit Pistons for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, a first-round pick that is top four protected from 2018 to 2020, and unprotected 2020, and it's unprotected in 2021, and they also dealt a 2019 second rounder to the Clippers. So, you know, the move really shocked me. You know, I wasn't expecting it to happen, and it's been amazing just to sort of see the reaction around the league and, and you know, where the Clippers are headed as a franchise after dealing Blake. Will they trade DeAndre? Will they trade Lou Williams? Will they commit to a full-scale rebuild? It seems like that is not necessarily a guarantee. And for the Pistons, it's a move to get back into the playoff race. Obviously, they had lost, I think, nine in a row before winning last night against Cleveland. And they had fallen three games out of the loss column from the 8th seed, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the 7th seed, the Indiana Pacers, both have 23 losses. So the Pistons are still technically right there. They're not that far out of the playoff race so it should be interesting to see what happens what did you think of the trade when it first happened well when the news circulated on the timeline it was kind of crazy to think about that oh wow the Clippers really had come to this decision but then you also find out that they've been thinking about this for the past week or so and they've kind of been on the 10 yard line as far as getting the deal done that whole day so I when I think about the trade overall, um, it goes to show you that no matter what a team may say to you or what a team may think of you at the time, and I think we had had this discussion during free agency where I never thought that signing Blake Griffin to a five-year max was a good idea, and you know, you're your rebuttal to me was the Clippers felt like they had to do it because they wanted to keep their star and they wanted to remain relevant. But I think the Clippers' fears were, you know, that with the and I'm sure that injury that Blake had earlier in the season where he missed some time, uh, and uh, and of course a lot of the injuries that have hit the league, and then of course Demarcus Cousins tearing his ACL. I I, I would have to think that. A lot of those things played a part into the Clippers' thinking as far as why they wanted to make this trade now. Because that contract is not going to age well no matter how you try and slice it any type of way. So for the Clippers, I thought it was a, it was a good deal and a prudent deal to get out of that contract now. And then you can kind of get started on rebuilding the team, whether they trade DeAndre and Slash or Lou Williams at some point remains to be seen. But at least you get started and you avoid having that that uh, that basically that chain that that you're linked to in Blake Griffin 
no offense to him, but you know it is what is it what what it is as far as the contract is concerned. Now for Detroit, Detroit has been one of those franchises that's had a lot of trouble getting free agents to sign there, and they're not exactly what you would call an attractive destination. So the only way that you could get a legitimate player or star in any sense of the word is by trade. So you make that move, and, you know. And on its face, and on its face, Detroit seems like the type of team that is content with making uh, first and second rounds and and having that type of se- having those type of seasons, I should say. But if you really want to look at the negative, any time that a GM makes a move out of the fear that they're going to lose their job, usually means ultimately that it's a bad move. And Stan Van Gundy's in a situation where they had lost eight in a row, they were having another bad season, they were free-falling all the way out of the playoff race, and at some point, management's going to be looking at him. And I'm sure that was going to be coming up soon, and, and Detroit had paid him a lot of money to take on the dual role of both uh, president and coach. So... You know, whenever those types of moves happen, you know, uh, it could be, it, it, it may not be the best thing for the Pistons long term. And on the court, it's hard, it's going to be interesting to see how Blake and uh, Andre Drummond fit together. And you could, we can get into the lack of spacing and, and some of the pieces around them that may not be conducive for success. But on its face, you know, like I said for the Clippers, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just really difficult for me to validate Blake Griffin as a quote-unquote good move in today's NBA when you consider his injury history and the fact that his contract um, is gonna is gonna hogtie the Pistons for years to come. Well, so you feel like Stan Van Gundy is 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 on the hot seat, or do you feel like he's just He's more so like trying to get this team, you know, to the playoffs because sort of like that's been the angle for, for him since he came there. And obviously, it's been I think four years, and they've made one playoff appearance, uh, got swept by Cleveland. So, like, do you think that it's connected to that? Uh, yes, I think I think this was a panic move. I think this was him seeing another season slipping away, and I'm sure. And if I were, if and and if I were probably running their organization, they've missed on some picks. Um, they've made a couple of moves that haven't worked out to this point, and you're kind of seeing that they were kind of stuck. They were stuck in the mud, and then and there's nothing worse. I remember Steve Kerr saying this: "There's nothing worse in the NBA than being stuck, being a mediocre franchise." And I don't know if this changes that that much, but this is the type of move that you make when you feel like you need to get out of the mud. And I don't know if this is going to get them out of that, but at least for for in Stan's view, I think it probably buys him some more time. Well, it should be interesting. I mean, like you said, it really does tie them up. I think regard in terms of salary, you know. Um, when they first made the before the trade, I mean, they were already a luxury tax team and sort of tied up with Tobias Harris's contract with Drummond, Reggie Jackson, 
And so they really didn't have the flexibility to, you know, go after free agents. But also at the same time, they, they don't really have the cachet as a franchise to, to sign anyone because, A, they live in Detroit. No shots. Um, <laughs> no shots to Detroit. But and also at the same time, you know, there's there's not a, a lot of interest around their team or or their star players, you know, as well. So I think looking, you know, looking at the salary figures, uh, in two thousand, right now they owe this year it's fifty two million or fifty three million tied up in in Griffin and Drummond. But I think it's really problematic when you look down two years down the line or even next year. But you look down two years down the line and in the two thousand nineteen twenty season. They'll owe about just about a little bit over seventy nine million dollars in the in combination to Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. They've made some a little bit of uh you know some I wouldn't say they're bad well they are pretty bad decisions when you think about it just because you know Andre Drummond is getting paid to be a superstar in a way or a clo- or not even necessarily a superstar but close to a, a superstar I mean twenty three million dollars in two years he's making upwards of 20 and he is a i think what you would call a fringe all-star in the east especially making it this year after an injury to uh john wall so it, it makes it very scary to be paying someone who's just a good a very good player you know not necessarily a great player and he's made leaps and bounds as his free throw shooting has improved his his uh ability to pass um, out of the high post and his ability off of those dribble handoffs and find people. It's been very, you know, it's been um, very good. And he has made the improvements that people wanted to see. I think defensively people still wonder, you know, what is he? Like, can't, he should be better. Um, Reggie Jackson, it's sort of like he's sort of, I wouldn't say a friend. He's a little bit lower than a fringe all-star. He's sort of like just a solid point guard who's getting paid like an all-star point guard. And it makes it very hard for them to build around that. And then you add Blake, and so you wonder how that's going to fit with the three of them when Reggie Jackson comes back from his sprained ankle injury. They've also invested money in guys who just, you know, flat out have not worked out. You know, John Luer signed a, 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 you know, a sizable deal um, with them last year. And he's been out for the season with an ankle problem, so he hasn't played much. I think he played at the beginning, but hasn't played much in the past two months. Uh, Langston Galloway is sort of in and out of the rotation. He started at one point while Reggie Jackson was out when they were trying to figure out whether it would be better for Ishmith to come off the bench in his normal role. And Langston Galloway has been sort of a a mixed bag. He hasn't been a surefire player they've missed on draft picks like stanley johnson has shown flashes of his ability to defend but he hasn't shot well and he hasn't really figured it out offensively luke Kennard is still up in the air a lot of people sort of wonder if he's more than just an average role player and so they and henry ellinson too has not really worked out as well as a lottery pick and so the pistons are in a very tough spot because they haven't drafted well. I think much was made this week of how Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell were available in the drafts that they took Stanley Johnson and uh, Luke Kennard. So a lot of people wonder they probably would be better if they would have drafted a lot more, a lot better. They've missed on some on some uh, mid level type of free agent signings, and then they've also re-signed these guys because they really have no choice but to re-sign Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson. They're their two best players at the you know before Blake uh, came here. So 
it's going to be really tough for them to or it limits their ceiling. I mean, at best, they really, like, if everything works out and they're able to steal a shooter through a minimum level contract or or draft well in the middle of the first round, at best, the, the Pistons might be able to get, I don't know, get 50 wins at best if everything works out. But that's really if everything works out. And so limits their ceiling with this type of group and you wonder like you said you know Blake and his fit around Andre Drummond like how is that going to work they both can pass so you feel like it could work um but you you wonder if it will work if if, what its ceiling is like it I mean they could get some wins but can they really compete with some of the better teams in the east or even just the better teams in the NBA with uh, with that limited spacing because also I think the bigger problem is that a lot of people have talked about Blake shooting and he's 34% this year and he's sh- you know shooting average uh, for his position at at the three or a little bit better than average for his position specifically but they don't really have great shooting around him or Andre Drummond in the backcourt or on the wing and so for that I think that's the bigger issue is that you can't really do much if the the pain is clogged if your key rotation players are Stanley Johnson and um, Reggie Jackson that's gonna make it really tough and then your best shooters like Luke Kennard or Langston Galloway at times are very good three-point shooters but they haven't really proven that they can do anything else or be capable a move that just sort of was meant to shake up the foundation of that franchise years ago when the Reggie Jackson Andre Drummond pairing led them to 45 wins and they've headed towards not necessarily greatness, but respectability. But last year was disappointing. They missed the playoffs, and this year they look—they started off well, but are now headed down the same path as last year. So, right. Yeah. So right. I don't. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's good. It, I, I I figure, you know, the funny thing is, you mentioned Blake shooting from three, and he's gotten the attempts up. But I would figure that most most guys would still situations where I feel like this uh, both Griffin and Drummond are gonna be here after Stan is gone <laughs> because I feel like Stan is not gonna last too much longer over there. You really think? Um, well, well, what? Be, well, I mean, I, the, the the thing I would say is like I feel like the odds are that they're not going to they're not going to succeed at the level that you might think that. I don't know if the fit is going to is going to be great, and of course they just don't have enough talent around them, or you know any of those teams of Boston, any of those teams that are you know, whatever they can do in the next couple of years um, with limited flexibility remains to be seen. But if I had to just go the odds, the odds are this team is not going to be that good. So. Yeah, it's a starry name, and it gets headlines, and maybe it'll actually fill that arena, which is usually almost almost always half empty these days. I know those but, red seats. Those red seats are a killer. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty bad. But yeah, it, it, hopefully they you know they get some notoriety from it. But otherwise, eh. I mean, maybe they're content. With, they're, I'm sure they're content probably with being like the Joe Johnson Atlanta Hawks, but. You know, overall, as far as what does this do, um, you know, it might not matter. And that's the funny thing because if you thought, if you take us back to 2015, uh, the 2015 playoffs where Blake Griffin is dominating San Antonio, 
and he is dominating Houston to a 3-1 lead in that second round series, who would have known that just a couple of years later that we would be here where he's on the Detroit freaking Pistons? <laughs> well, I think Joe Johnson's Hawks are disappointed in that comment because I don't even think this team is close to Joe Johnson's Hawks. Well, I, yeah. That's, that's the funny yeah, thing. That's crazy yeah. to think. You're actually, you might, you're probably right about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that team was a lot better. I mean, I had a better team. I mean, it was just a better composed team. Yeah. The, the, you know, I I don't know. It's going to be tough. So I guess we'll, we'll flip it over to the Clippers side. We talked enough about those uh, gosh right. darn Pistons. Uh, the So the Pistons, get, I mean, the Clippers get Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, and a... And the and obviously the I think the key thing is the two picks, but obviously the first round pick is at best is going to be a late lottery pick most likely, and you know they get a second round pick too. So with the with the way that the 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 Clippers are sort of headed, it it, it makes you wonder where what's going to happen with DeAndre Jordan, what's going to happen with with uh, Lou Williams, uh, will they focus more on rebuilding with these younger guys? And for the rest of this year, and or are they still interested in in competing for that playoff spot? Because they're not that far out. Obviously, they lost yesterday, and I think they're only like a game or two out of it. But the the their team is sort of like a is confusing now too because of having Tobias on the team and also having Danilo Gallinari. They're both sort of stretch four type of guys. They play the same position. And Gallinari's presence doesn't make as much sense when they first signed him. And it's just a lot of questions. Avery Bradley is, you know, heading into free agency. And you have to wonder, will the Clippers try and trade him before the deadline next week? It leaves a lot to wonder. And it leaves also a lot of pathways to wonder what they're going to do down the road. Uh, Will Doc Rivers stay with the team? because of his uh, famed history of not wanting to be on losing teams or not coaching losing teams based off of his uh, moments with the Boston Celtics after they traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. I'm really interested to see where they, what path they head on. Obviously, the LeBron thing, too, became a big discussion that they're interested in trying to get, him, get, uh, get on his short list of teams that he might want to sign with. Wh- what do you see the Clippers doing here? Wow, and you you really hit the nail on the head in all of those uh, vantage points because so now of course Jerry West is a consultant for the Clippers and Lawrence Frank is kind of running the organization at this point so it, this kind of feels like it's more their move than it is the Doc Rivers move so how much longer regardless of whatever Doc says is he going to be around is going to be an interesting question um, after this season, whether there might be something that changes there, because I feel like there's a lot more changes to come with this team. Um, after Joakim Noah and Luol Deng, um, I would say Gallinari <laughs> right now probably is one of the, the third most unmovable contract in the league at this point. Wait, what um, about Mozgov and uh, Evan Turner and all of those guys from that one year? Yeah, that's like well, it's yeah, all those yeah, guys and then Gallinari. It's all those guys and then Gallinari. I was gonna say it's all those guys from that one specific free agency year to the summer of two thousand and what was it, fifteen or sixteen? The summer of two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Summer sixteen, like Drake. Those guys, 
Uh, Chandler Parsons, too, probably is on the list. All those guys, and then uh, Gallinari's right after. <laughs> he's the yeah, worst yeah. He's like, the worst I mean, non-2016 one. He's a part of that group, so... Yeah. Because of the overlap with him and Tobias, I feel like there may be more moves to come there. I just don't know how they get that type of stuff done. Um, I want to see what happens with DeAndre, what they could get for him. Because if you had... To, if, if Like, if, if you put... If you just put something realistic in terms of what the Clippers are actually going to do, I just can't see them offering DeAndre a max contract. It just wouldn't make sense. So I could see him, I could see him moving on in the off season if they allow him to become a free agent. But the odds are, I would guess they they would try and move him before the deadline. And Lou Williams is another one. What can they fetch for him? Can they be like the Lakers and get a first round? A first round pick for him. That'll be that'll be another question there. So I, I feel like this is the this is just the the beginning for the Clippers in terms of just getting themselves to a place where they can actually actually rebuild the team and get out of that uh, hard cap uh, near the apron situation that they've been in for the last two or three years. And the Blake move, you know, gets that started initially. But they have just so much more to do. So, and then you get the idea, you know, back to my original point that the organization is kind of headed in a different direction, and the and the fact that Steve Palmer signed off on this move will lead you to believe that he's on that uh, same wavelength with both uh, Lawrence Frank and Jerry West. And you know, we'll see if it's Doc Rivers. But I, I think, you know, it's it's the jury is the jury is still out on what this team is going to look like uh, probably after the deadline because I could just see there's there'll be more moves and they'll probably get themselves out of the uh, playoff mix for the rest of the season. One would have to assume, but right now, as presently constituted, their roster could still compete for a playoff spot if they stay pat, but you know that remains to be seen. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you know, it's weird. You know, since Blake came back, the team has had a 3.1 net rating. Um, or or no, the team has had a 2.9. He's had a 3.1 net rating overall. And you have to wonder if, if maybe they felt at the same time like he hasn't really, you know, they haven't been balling out on the court just because he's on the court. Um, he has a 0.8 net rating all season. And the team as a whole has a 0.4 net rating. So he hasn't really made, you know, a huge impact or a big difference on the court. Obviously, he's be- he's still a great scorer. You know, his rebounding is down. But he's also become a great playmaker. And he's shot better from three this year, I think, 34%. Um, so maybe they, f- I, you know, part of me does wonder if maybe they felt like, hey, he's not, re- it's not like he's making that huge of a difference and paying him, you know, an exorbitant amount of money with having about a hundred, what was it, a hundred and forty something, a hundred and forty-four million dollars left to pay him after this year, it yeah. it would be really difficult to just keep on somebody who's not making that big of a difference, despite his uh, his numbers overall looking like, you know, his uh, counting statistics looking nice. Um, Avery Bradley has been a, a very bad, as most people have noted, <laughs> this year. Um, they were three and seventeen in his last twenty games that he played in. So I think he missed the stretch, and they played better with Luke Kennard and Galloway 
you know, taking up his minutes. Um, he has a negative 9.3 net rating overall for the team when he's on the court. Um, it's been a struggle. Tobias Harris, in a weird way, is you could sort of compare to Blake in that he's shooting a career-high number of three-point attempts. Uh, he's really spacing the floor. It hasn't really led to much success. What's the like you like you like we talked about and and you just mentioned like the team and and whatnot. Do the Clippers have a path to going after one of the, like going after somebody in free agency, or do you think it's just they should just commit to like a, a full scale rebuild and just start over and get rid of these guys, or do you think that they should be trying to pursue LeBron and trying to you know go down this whole pipe dream stuff that doesn't really to me at least doesn't really make sense. I mean, if LeBron ever showed any type of interest, yeah, and if you get if you get the sign from his camp that he'd be willing to talk to you, then then you have to do it. Yeah, man. then you kind of have you have to because it's just it's LeBron, so you still have to um, put your ducks in a row for that. But if if it's the case that you see that it's clear that LeBron's not interested, then I go for the full scale rebuild because at this point, realistically, Golden State with what they built and just the idea that they can win another one or two championships with this core and then allegedly get other allegedly. stars to go there after um, the you know to kind of like refresh the core in a year or two I think I would set myself up and kind of rebuild and and I know that's very hard because it's just not the easiest thing to do there are so many different articles and so many different teams that have gone through these same types of situations that have a hard time of they just hold on too long instead of just going the full you know the going the full way of rebuilding and there are a lot of different teams in the league who are still going through that situation now while they have some young players and some some type of talent they're still not like fully committing to you know that you get the you get the the sense that you always hear that we want to be competitive, or you hear from the you hear from the star saying, "Well, we should be a team that should try and make the playoffs and, and stuff like that." But as far as the Clippers are concerned, I think they should just completely rebuild, start fresh, and eventually get. And if you have the right people in your organization that you know are going to make sound and prudent decisions, then you know you. You restack the cupboard. You get draft picks. You get yourself. You get yourself in a situation where either you could be rebuilt through the draft, or you have enough assets that you can make a trade for a star at some point. So that's that's the way I would go if I were them. Word. So okay. So we talked about these two teams, and we'll see what happens with them. So this past week has been pretty bad in terms of NBA injuries. DeMarcus Cousins out for the season with a torn Achilles or a ruptured Achilles. Andre Robertson, ruptured teller, uh, patellar tendon, out for the season. Kevin Love, out for two months with a broken left hand. John Wall, uh, arthroscopic knee surgery, <laughs> out for two about two months, six to eight weeks, both given that time frame. You have the Pelicans, who sort of were making a run, and still positioned in a in a favorable place right now but they've lost two in a row you have the thunder who are right now um i think in fifth in fifth place and and you know they, they're moving on up and andre robertson was definitely a blow to them 
And then you have on the east side, Cleveland still positioned at third, but facing Miami tonight, and Miami is right behind them half a game. And then you have John Wall, the Wizards placed at I think it was what they're with the Pacers and and the Bucks. They're like sixth, but it's sort of like I mean. It, they're fifth right now, but it's sort of like they're it's be, they're like fifth, five, six, seven somewhere. They're like you know what I mean. Like they're fifth place right now, but really it's like the Bucks are like percentage points behind them. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see how these four teams sort of respond to these injuries. Obviously, Cleveland and Washington's are not as long term. These guys will be back before the playoffs or right before the playoffs start. Um, do you see any of these four teams making moves to try and? you know, at least bolster the rotation while these guys are out. Um, you know, obviously in, in the Pelicans and Thunder place or position, they need guys to, you know, keep them going for the rest of this uh, season as as uh, Boogie and, and Robertson will not be back. Do you see any trades? Obviously we saw uh, Nikola Miritich almost got traded to the Pelicans from Chicago for a first-rounder, have issues with his team option. Um yeah. Because they don't want to, they don't want to add on that additional salary while they're, you know, still entertaining the idea of re-signing Demarcus Cousins. Um, I think Miritich would really help them. Him and Anthony Davis together would be a very nice pairing. Um, do you see any of these moves happening, or any moves happening for these teams? I think the Pelicans are going to definitely try and make a move. I think they want to make the playoffs. I think they want to kind of just prove to Anthony Davis that hey, we're we're still trying to be competitive at this point. Even though I would say that that boogie injury, basically, and um, this this is a really really hot take, but I, that boogie injury assured to me that event that in the next year or two they're gonna trade Anthony Davis. I think they're gonna be forced to. They're not gonna have a choice um, because the odds of boogie coming back from that injury and being a hundred percent. Uh, and being what he what he was, eh, I don't know if I'm going to see that, especially from a big man. That's going to be very difficult. You know, people can talk about whether his athleticism has anything to do with his effectiveness, but I would just say for me, he's not going to be the same player that he was um, at this point coming off of that type of injury. So it's going to lead them to be stuck in a position where they got to figure out, oh, do we... Do we sign this guy knowing that Anthony Davis has already formed a relationship with him and hoping for his production to remain the same, and then you sign him, and then he's not that guy, and then you're stuck in the same place that you've been, being mediocre, and then you have to trade Anthony Davis. And the, or somebody else um, decides to sign Boogie Cousins instead of them, and they, and they balk at it. They get too scared of the injury. And then you're stuck with not being able to add anybody around Anthony Davis. So therefore, you don't want to lose him. So therefore, you end up trading him. I just feel like at this point, there's no way that the Pelicans don't trade Anthony Davis before he becomes a free agent. I just don't see it happening at this point. But that's one thing. As far as Cleveland is concerned, I want to see them make a move. I think the odds are they're going to definitely try and make a move. But the problem that they have right now is their front office is so screwed up. Every story that you read about Dan Gilbert and whether he's involved in, in running running the team and basketball decisions and all this other stuff, and they're in half, and probably may overvalue it to the point where they don't want to put it on the table due to the fact that LeBron hasn't committed to them. So they're always going to be stuck in this uh, 
well, we can't make this just based off of the fact that they're just fearful of giving up that pick. Feel like they should or want to make a move. But I don't know if I trust their front office to even have the <laughs> have the intelligence to get through that. So oh, I don't that's know shady. if that's going to happen. Oh, the um, shady comment. With uh, Andre Robertson. <laughs> um, you know, that's interesting. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what they could give up. The uh, uh, anything substantial to get something back in return. I don't know what deal is out there um, for a perimeter guy that can make a difference on that team because you're basically looking for defense at this point, or because yeah, because it's just you have you have your three guys, the three guys that you rely on for scoring, uh, plus Steven Adams. So. I don't know what defensive uh, wing is out there that can have the same type of uh, impact that Andre Robertson has. So the likelihood of the Thunder making a deal, I don't think it's that high. Yeah, I know. They don't have a lot of flexibility in terms of you know draft picks to just throw away for a rental or, or whatnot. So it's going to be really interesting to see what if they are able to do anything or if they just keep it going from inside. I mean... The thing that scares me just watching them is that their bench, they play those five-man lineups, especially in the fourth quarter, the beginning of the fourth, the beginning of the second, and it just goes nowhere, and they can't score, and you're just waiting for when uh, when Russ or PG or Carmelo is going to come in or, or Steven Adams, you know, somebody to just, you know, do something. Yeah. Because, That's a weird one, why yeah. he's playing five-man bench units that can't score. Raymond Felton pick and roll and, you know, going nowhere. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, what are you expecting for this trade deadline? Do you want a lot of moves, or are you like, eh, you know, that Blake Griffin well, trade was enough? <laughs> well, was, you know, the funny thing was that it, it's already made the trade deadline um, interesting because I didn't think anything substantial was going to happen. I feel like the Bulls are definitely going to try and move Meritage now with him and his option and that whole situation that may muck things up in terms of what they can do. I mean, it already has. So that's one thing you got to watch out for. Um, it's pretty clear that the Clippers probably are still not done. They're probably going to make more moves. So I would suspect that they would make another move. Um, can Memphis get into contend, maybe interested? And how much of the cost are they going to be willing to take? Nothing. In terms of surrendering a first-round pick, which I, I can't don't know. See it. <laughs> if I was any team, I would do that. I mean... I feel like something is going to happen. Um, they're now 29 and 20. Yeah, they're 29 and 20, and they're a half game ahead of, of Miami for fourth. And a lot of these teams are kind of starting to get bunched up with them. So, in the next couple of games before next week, you know, if we see that it's dire, so this Heat Cavs game is actually interesting tonight from that standpoint. If, um, you know, if Cleveland continues to, to struggle and we continue to hear stuff, then we may see something else. But I feel like there will be a couple of moves. There will be a couple of moves. Maybe not like heavy, heavy moves. But, I mean, odds are, I would say they're going to try and move DeAndre. But what the market is for DeAndre, I'm just not sure. Yeah, me neither. And I think, you know, like getting back to the Tyreek one, it's just so difficult to expect a first-round pick for a rental that, you know, he's a rental, but also at the same time, you don't have his bird rights. So you can't sign him unless you have cap space. So, uh, or re-sign him if you have cap space. So it's like a clear-cut rental 
Like Tyreek is trying to get the bag. He's this is his comeback year after you know uh, a couple years of dealing with injuries or or just not performing up to the standards that you know he possibly had he's shooting a career high from the three-point line obviously with memphis they don't have a lot of shot creation or guys who can handle the ball and make plays for other people so he's sort of taking the lion's share of that and of, of those duties and those responsibilities and he's he's definitely put himself in a position to make some money this this off season. but if you're acquiring him at this point you have to wonder if you're going to resign him. You know, you're going to have the cap space available to resign him in the off season. But second of all, you have to wonder, you know, is it worth a first round pick? A lot to think about. You know, Nikola Mirotic too. Um, I think he'd really help somebody. So, any other trade stuff? I don't think there is any. It's been pretty quiet ever since the Blake trade, and, and now I'm sounding very spoiled because. The Blake trade happened two days ago. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. <laughs> huge deal. Uh, today is, Jan- is January 31st, so the trade deadline is eight days away from today. Next Thursday, January, what, January 8th? So, yeah, it's, so it should be a really exciting time. Anthony, thank you for joining the NBA Trades podcast. Um, yeah, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me come on and talk about this trade. Um, it was very interesting. And um, appreciate everybody for uh, checking out the poetry book Selfish, available on Amazon. Uh, need those book reviews, so if you have the book already, uh, write a review if you can. And then um, I just started a new podcast uh, talking about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The podcast is titled Marvel Cinematic University with my guys. Uh, Jerome Chang and Jake Christie. Uh, we, we're actually going to record a, a new episode later this week. So that should be fun, reviewing all the movies as we get closer to Infinity War. You can follow me on Twitter at ACSpotlight95 with an X. And uh, as always, thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it, bro. You got that uh, self-promotion locked down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was going to talk about um, Black Panther since it's coming out next month. Yeah, actually, that's one of the one of the movies that we're gonna go out of order because we were planning to just go in order straight to um, Infinity War and after that. But since Black Panther's coming out soon, uh, we'll probably do a pod um, out of that uh, out of order to discuss that movie. And of course, there's been a lot of discussion of how good the movie has been from the red carpet premiere. So there's a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of hype out of the soundtrack. Interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. Well, I know I'm going to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be a good... It's going to be a very good. I'm excited for it too. And um, I guess I got to check out what that track listing is. I know Kendrick is is executive producing it. so Yeah, and he's on a lot of it. <laughs> okay. So then it's like a Kendrick album. Yeah, but, uh, yeah Kendrick album basically. Kendrick and Friends. Okay, yeah. so I'll definitely check it out. Okay, so this is the NBA Trades Podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter, NBA underscore trades. Like the page on Facebook, NBA Trades. So you can also subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes under NBA Trades Podcast. We're also on Stitcher, Google Play. It's also on YouTube, people. So there are many avenues to listen to this. So And it's also on the website, nbatrades.tumblr.com. So y'all can always check it out. And peace.